It's Baxi's musical podcast. When a songwriter writes a song, it doesn't always start out sounding like the finished product. Sometimes a song will go through a bunch of mutations before it's finally released and you can say, ah, it's finished. Occasionally, an artist might release alternative versions of a song they've done. Maybe the lyrics are different. Maybe there's something added or something taken away. And then sometimes an artist and his producer will take a look at a song and completely deconstruct it and reconstruct it to become something as good, if not better, than the original. My guest today is Ahmad Wasif. Imad has spent much of his career playing in other bands, including the Folk Implosion with Dinosaur Jr.'s Lou Barlow, also been a touring member of the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs for years. But he's also released six remarkable solo albums of intensely personal and intimate-sounding songs, including 2022 So Long, Mr. Fear, which is available on Sonic Ritual Records. This is a beautiful collection of songs written and recorded during the pandemic, and it's absolutely hypnotic and breathtaking all at the same time. This year, Imad Wasif collaborated with producer Money Mark to reconstruct the title track. Money Mark has built a reputation of working with the Beastie Boys and Linkin Park and the Red Hot Chili Peppers and many, many more to give a different interpretation to the song, So Long, Mr. Fear. The new remix has just been released on a new EP entitled Mr. Fear, So Long. And as that title would suggest, it turns Imad Wasif's initial interpretation of his own song on its ear, with the final result being absolutely amazing. Taking a song that was already great and finding a way to turn it into something beyond its original version is pretty remarkable. And the final result of this collaboration bears this out. This is my conversation with singer, songwriter, and guitar player Ahmad Wasif on Baxi's Musical Podcast. Hello. Hey, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Very good. It's uh, it's so cool to talk to you. I just uh, I interviewed Lou Barlow just a couple of weeks ago from uh, Dinosaur oh, Junior, and uh, yeah. and Sebado and Folk Implosion, which you've been a a part of for a while. The guy only lives like thirty five minutes from my house. How did you get involved with with Lou Barlow? Oh my God! So I was living in uh, Berkeley at the time in California, and uh, my first band had opened up for um, Sebado a bunch, and uh, Lou and I kind of over the course of a few years had just struck up a, a friendship um through that through all this time that we spent on the road um though i was like i was really terrified of him for a very long time because <laughs> i was i was like maybe 18 when i started touring and i viewed him as this like songwriting giant and um so i was always like really like kind of uh scared to talk to him and <laughs> him and his i misinterpreted his like normal awkwardness as like aloofness <laughs> but you know he's just like a really shy person so it took us like, you know, a very long time to actually engage. But when we finally did, I remember the the one thing that he, we had this night where he like opened up to me about um, how he wrote Soul and Fire. And mm. it just like made this huge impression on me because I had been just exploring uh, writing from de- dream interpretation uh, in my own like work, in my own songwriting and, and stuff. So that was like a huge connective point for, for, um, for us. But uh, anyway back to the story i was i was uh, living in berkeley at the time and i had a band called alaska that was like kind of a psych folk band he called me he was living in la and he was like i've been working on this record this folk composition record and i just am like not happy 
like with where it's at and um would you want to come down to LA and work on it with me so it was like kind of it was just totally serendipitous at the time my band had just broken up and I was like fuck yeah like I'll do it I love it you know? <laughs> well I mean when you when he calls how do you say no to that yeah it was great it was amazing it was a really amazing experience uh you know coming down to LA and and just uh starting to write songs with him and working with him all the time and and uh I think LA at that time was a really kind of beautiful and uncharted world for me and now look at it uh, yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> I have to say I I really love the new album so long Mr. Fear I think it's just a it's just a remarkable record as as a lot of your records are I mean you know and we'll talk about the the remixes in just a little bit but it's such a, a rich and intimate sounding record tell me about uh, so long mr fear as, as opposed to some of the other things that, that you had done um yeah i mean that record to me still is resonating um so so much and uh you know it's coming out of this very difficult period of time that we all experienced together in this in this uh, country and i mean in the world and that record in particular like i was in lockdown as many of us were and i was like I have to figure out how to make my own record. Like I had never fully embraced recording on my own. So that was really kind of that that was my first real in-depth plunge into that world. And fortunately I had um my friend Bob Bruno, who plays uh he's played on a lot of my records, but um and recorded with me forever. Uh he's he plays in Best Coast and um he's also just like a total mystery, amazing his lineage is incredible but he uh i would send him tracks that i was working on and he would contribute to them send them back and almost we just started this kind of amazing relationship with these songs and what i initially realized because i started the record right before lockdown and um i had actually gone to this abandoned mansion that a friend of mine had access to and we set up all this recording gear in there and like recorded and i just wasn't happy with things hmm. the way they were and then lockdown came and I was like stuck in this situation. And and so I what I realized was like, it's all about connecting to completely connecting to the inner voice without any outside influence. And that was the one beautiful thing that lockdown afforded me is that I was so isolated and I was able to record it anytime I wanted. And like when I actually felt like doing it and I was able to to do it in any way that I like when the expression was completely pure. So a lot of the versions of the songs that are on the record are first or second takes for a lot of the vocal and and uh, instrumentation, like the main instrument. So I would sing and play either piano or guitar and sing, which um, I've always also been afraid of because it's not the way you normally record anymore. You know, you, you kind of go in and track everything separately and, you know, but I think for me, everything's centered around the emotion and the voice and I so I built the record outward from that when you say you were you were disappointed with how it was going was it about the lyrical content of the music or was there something beyond that no well it was like I was in this abandoned mansion and I my initial idea for it was to just like make this super raw record that was like just me playing recording kind of like a uh, rogue and I had recorded like the whole probably um I think 26 songs in that environment in that mansion and then kind of going through them I was just like no I just it's like not doing what I this isn't like what I want to present to the world 
Um, cause there was not a lushness to it. There was not like, uh, there was a kind of this one dimensionality to it. So yeah. having gone through the process of doing this really by yourself because of the pandemic and the inability to go to recording studios and then, and having kind of like a, a do it yourself approach to this, is this the kind of thing that you would do again, or do you prefer the old way of doing the pre pandemic way of, of recording music? I think it's really just up to uh, the tone of the songs, really. Um, I I absolutely love being able to record vocals at four in the morning. Like, <laughs> you know, you, you kind of are not on anyone's on anyone else's time, so it's like your time only. And uh, yeah, I love I love that experience. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm just starting to work on new songs, and have been like actually working in a studio with my friend Bob, and we've been demoing out new songs, and it's been interesting to work together in a physical space again you know i hadn't experienced that in a long time i absolutely love the the title track so long mr fear you know it, it talks about the fears that, that we all kind of hold since childhood and you know with the pandemic it brings a whole new sense of what fear really means you know especially early on when you know there were so many questions about you know what this virus was all about and how exposed we were and and everything else but tell me about the title track song so long mr fear that song is definitely I think maybe the first song that I've ever written that is like dealing with a very vocal, like I'm I'm vocalizing against a lot of the pressures that I felt that were that were thrust on me and a lot of friends that I knew, everyone that was going through this sort of situation of, you know, what the vaccine is and like the feeling of getting forced to make decisions that were really not you were not necessarily comfortable with, and I was really that was feeding into a lot of uh, other fears and opening up a lot of other fears for me. And I started really thinking about, yeah, just like I, I started thinking about how long I had been kind of suffering through that mm. and how much I wanted to be past that and how much I knew that so many people want to be past these fears that keep us locked into patterns and uh, limitations, really. And like we're 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 limitless creatures and we're limitless, you know, there's there's a universe of infinite possibility. And we somehow get into these modes of thought and feeling and like ideas that we can't do certain things, we can't be certain things. And I mean, that song really was like a gift to me. Like I it like came to me. And it was also this record in particular, I'd never written on piano and I'd gotten a piano just before the pandemic and sort of taught myself how to write. Because um, mm. I've always been on guitar. And so that song was uh, also a song due to my limitations on my understanding of how to play piano. Like it was a song that came out. Um, so it was really just like there's some kind of magic to that song. And, you know, I really revere. I, mean, I feel I feel humbled by whatever that song actually has, because, you know, that was the thing like um, in doing this rework or this remix that uh, Money Mark just did of that song, like you know, he totally took that song to another place, but he responded to that song. No, he he definitely did. And and, and I want to ask you about that because this is a guy who's worked with the Beastie Boys and Linkin Park and the Red Hot Chili Peppers and, you know, all of which are, you are very different artists than the kind of artists that you are, particularly in your solo work. So when he hears this song and it connects with him, what did he say to you about the song and what it meant to him to take this on to remix it? No, I mean, he just told me, he just told me that he loved the song. And mm. for me, like knowing him, like if you listen to Sabotage, like that Beastie Boys song, yeah, and you take his parts out of Sabotage, 
it's like not as powerful. If you take his part out of like where it's at by Beck, that song is not as powerful. It's like I knew that he had he has this ability to, you know, go in and like enhance a, a song that already exists. But this was interesting in that we didn't actually want to like we weren't writing the song, you know, together. The song was already written and he was just like, the song is there in that whole melody and your lyrics. And like, I want to just Frankenstein this. Like, I want to do my <laughs> thing. And like, we talked a little bit about, you know, we're both like super into like Station to Station by Bowie and stuff. Like we yeah. talked a little bit about that, but like we didn't want to like, none of us are interested in in like uh, rehashing like something that already exists, you know, it's kind of just like, you know, how can this become something new? And I, he really like did you know, take it to a very interesting place, I thought. It's really interesting, and the, the final result is awesome. There's a part of me that always wonders when, you know, when this happens and a song gets, you know, reinterpreted through a, a new version. You know, as as the artist who creates this song, and, and yeah. you, you already said that, uh, you know, some of these songs were, you know, one-two-take type of yeah. uh, situations. I would imagine that any artist creatively gets a certain level of tunnel vision about things. Yeah. So you, you know, so you see things one way and you may not even consider that there's another way to to look at a, at a song like this with a totally new arrangement. I mean it really I mean it really transforms the the, the whole song into something very different as good if not I, I don't want to say better because it, it, the the bones and structure of that song are just so perfect, but at the end of it when he presents you with what he's done yeah. Are you surprised by the way he was able to interpret it? Was it what you expected to get back from him? Um, well, I did go into the studio a couple of times with him because I put, you know, guitar down and I recut like a couple of the vocals on it. So I was sort of aware of his process, but it was interesting in, in working on it or like going into the studio and see the way that he was working on it. It was like he was actually doing what you're what you just talked about, which yeah. is something that um I mean, I even am trying to practice in my sort of uh, in my demo form. You know, you become attached to the way that a song exists in your mind, and then you bring it into this situation where you can completely dismantle that and give it like this other life. Um, but your ego gets in the way, and then you're like, <laughs> you know, you're attached to this sort of. And no, it just has to be this way. But really, that's doing the song a disservice. You you owe it to the song to explore it. I think it's just difficult. For me at that point, like, because the record was already out, like, I couldn't have gone like, oh, uh, like, I want to do a remix of this. I want to approach it totally differently because it was just in my head that way. But so, yeah, it was really just super cool to see the way that uh, Mark did that, you know, like the way that he, where he took it. There's a, there's a lot of other great songs on this record. It's not just uh, the title track, but I just watched the video for Fader. Uh, I love oh, that did. song. It's got a real interesting, like, almost like a John Lennon vibe to it tell me about uh, about that song that was definitely um that song i'd been carrying around for a while actually that was not a song that i wrote um during pandemic i think another one of the extrapolations of my kind of loss uh or my my tendency to dive deeply and lose myself in the idea of love and what that means to me yeah i don't know that i would be able to articulate anything really about it that, that would help anybody because it's just i i know that it translates really well i love that was originally a guitar song so that was the first song that i transposed to piano mm. when i learned how to play to write on piano so i was like oh i'm gonna try this on piano and i did that um that way but you know it's like kind of like i feel like where it landed is in like this david lynch world like i i mm. always i always imagine that song in a david lynch film well it's, it's still not too late 
<laughs> he, he could still contact you by the end of the day. That'd be amazing. <laughs> the other track that I really, really love, and I think it might just be my second favorite apart from the uh, the title track, is uh, the final track of the album, Jealous Kind. Yeah, you got the Dolly Parton reference in there. <laughs> I, yeah, I was listening. To I was listening to that song a bunch. Um, that's. I mean, I think that in my mind is a is kind of a, a very introspective song and tearing apart a lot of. It, it's coming to terms with a lot of things within myself, and uh, I've struggled with this feeling of being imprisoned by jealousy in my in my life. Mm. It's a very toxic kind of emotion that I've felt. And uh, I think, weirdly, I, I wanted to write this song for like, not that I'm completely a believer in all forms of astrology, but Scorpios, like I've known a, a lot of Scorpios in my life. And it's just like, there was a kind of idea that Scorpios are have this like nature to them, this right. jealous nature. And so, you know, yeah. Um, but I don't want to just toss it off to just being like an astrology song about Scorpios. Um, but I I think with any song that I have, it's if I could achieve any sense of universality with it. And I think that's a beauty for any song that really speaks to someone. It's like whatever the person meant by that song when they wrote it, it doesn't need to mean that to that person. Just the fact that the emotion in it affects you. When you write a song that has a, like a personal connection with you for like for whatever reason. So in the, in the case of Jealous Kind, this is uh, an emotion that you know you struggle with. And you're yeah. able to get that emotion out, you know, on tape or whatever. Does that help you kind of formulate like a way to deal with that kind of emotion? Or is it just, is, is it just purely a statement of fact that, that you have, that this is a part of your makeup, jealousy, or, or does it help you kind of work your way through it? I think both. Mm. I, that's really, yeah, that's apt of you to, to say like, yeah, it's both. I mean, also the, the amazing thing is that that song exists in an eternal sense. So it's like every time I perform it, I'm given to that thought and that emotion. And because these issues like come up all the time, you know, and you're constantly kind of uh, living through them. And uh, I think we're always trying to ascend, you know, we're always trying to get higher, uh, rise out of these, these kind of things that we struggle with in our lives. And so like, yeah, every time I play that song, I feel this sense of kind of beauty or relief like in playing it and singing it. You also have a uh, Poet of the Damned, which you uh, sing with Karen O from the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs. And it's a beautiful yeah. song. And I know you've got a long connection with them as a touring member uh, of the band. Tell me about uh, getting her to sing in your song. She actually, she weirdly had heard, she had heard the sequence and she was like, she was like, oh, like, I love that song. And I was like, well, do you want to sing on it? And she was like, yeah, which I, which I totally didn't expect, you know, because she's just thought, she doesn't really do that. That song is also, uh, as you can probably tell by the lyrics, it's complete pandemic wasteland song. You know, a lot of those feelings, a lot of those kind of like me coming to terms with my place in the universe. How did you um, get involved with uh, with that band, the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs? I mean, they've, you've been a t touring member for a while. How did you uh, strike up a, a relationship with them? Through mutual friends, really, like we met and um, we played together and it just like immediately clicked. It was just kind of like, I think the first time I saw them, I had a feeling that I knew these people even mm. before I knew them, you know, like I was like, it just, it's uh, sometimes that you get that sense like souls from, you know, lives past, but yeah, it just, it just worked uh, like it, it clicked, you know, that's a very um, strange and interesting experience for me. It's on a whole other 
you know, it's like a whole other dimension than what I normally experience in my own music and, and all that. So that's true of everything you've done apart from your, your solo work. I mean, the folk implosion is very different than your, your solo work. I mean, the, the songs that you do seem to be a lot more intimate and, and certainly more, more personal. And, and there's a, and there's a certain beauty to the songs that you do. I think what's, what's really interesting. And I, and I went back and, and listened to some of your older albums and, and this is, I think this is true, and I mean, I mean this as a compliment, that you could pop on any of your solo albums, and the consistency of it is really remarkable. Like, you could listen to any of the albums you've done as a solo artist and be moved by those songs. That's not really an easy thing to pull off, to have that kind of consistency over a period of time. Thank you. I'm, I'm just getting used to taking compliments, so thank you. <laughs> well, you should take a lot more of them, to be quite honest with you, because the the, the the music is really there's a there's a real true beauty to it. So many people can write music and maybe not expose themselves or allow themselves to be vulnerable in the things they they sing about. It sounds like for you this is a a really important part of the art that you create that it really needs to come from within you and and not just trite lyrical content about you know boy meets girl kind of thing. This is I mean this is pretty heavy stuff for an artist. Um uh, yeah I mean. You know, it's like blessing and curse. I'm sure you've, you've, you've <laughs> yes, before. absolutely. It, it, it feels that way for sure. Um, but I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't mind the curse. You know. Yeah. It's 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 like it's like my my whole point of living. You know. It's 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 truly like what I believe I was put on the earth to do. So there's clearly a lot of influences in in your music, and I think you can hear it all the way back to the first records and 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 beyond. And and it's, it, it may not just be musical, but also cultural as well and you can certainly hear that that influence i mean you you grew up in 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 canada and you're of indian descent how much of those things influenced how you approach music or or what you hear in your head yeah i mean the indian music that i grew up listening to is definitely uh deeply within there um you know I, i grew up on a lot of indian classical music i did not actually find my way to music until i found rock and roll because i was i i was really in a so I, I was born in Canada, but I was actually raised in the desert in California. Um, so, and that was a very, very, very desolate kind of place at the time. But I came up finally, like in my teenage years, with this whole like desert rock scene, like that yeah. um, Queens Stone Age, like Caius and Queens of Stone Age. All that stuff was like stuff that I, I was going to those generator parties and all that, all that kind of stuff. But weirdly, I think, uh, you know, I've carried like the lifetimes that I've led, like within me, like all the music. And I mean, a lot of the times, I mean, I do believe that I'm I'm on another iteration from another life. Mm-hmm. Like this is like I've experienced certain aspects of this before, but I, I mean, I think like always the sense of, I, I think maybe a number of songwriters would attest to this, but it's like the first feeling of being an outsider, of really realizing that this is your shield, that this is your means of expression, this is your protection against that feeling of not belonging to anything and anyone and like not connecting really like, yeah. and, and then having this thing that all of a sudden just like changes your whole life. It's like this uh, idea of like how to rip yourself open and present yourself through a song and like express yourself. I was going to say, because that even that kind of lends back to what we were talking about, the vulnerability of, of, of being a oh. songwriter and exposing yourself in, in that way. A lot of, you know, a lot of people will gravitate towards music because it helps them forget about some of the things that are 
that may be missing in their lives or you, you know certain traumas that you know we've all uh, eventually go through but to have that kind of sensitivity and awareness of what you're mm. feeling inside it, it is a gift because a lot of people just can't simply can't express that yeah i mean i i definitely view it as a gift it's 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 like something that uh but you know i mean there's there is a lot of work like i'm not you know i'm i'm definitely not i'm by far <laughs> far from being a perfect person and i think that it's a it's a it's a daily it, there's a daily um awareness there's a daily focus on on maintaining that awareness i was uh listening back to uh, some stuff that you had done almost a decade ago and you, you talk about the, the cultural influences of listening to a, the grim tower record which i oh, really yeah. liked i thought that was really really a great sounding record yeah i wish i wish more people knew about that one um yeah that was stephen mcbean and and i um we had just uh, started, like he had just moved to Silver Lake. Like I was living, I was living in the next town over, and uh, we just started jamming at his house, like in the afternoon outside with acoustic guitars. It was like, really, so fun because I, you know, um, I hadn't done that in, in a long time because I was so uh, like I was touring a lot and just on my own. And yeah, and a lot of those songs just came from. I mean, we were both like equally. We were very, very into. Um, these Roy Harper records. Yeah, there's this amazing record called Stormcock that we were both like, just like, that was an incredible record. And um, I think we we just connected. It was so, uh, it was so um, kind of easy to make that record in a weird way. We recorded it up at his house, the majority of it. And he's still a great friend of mine. Like I still, you know, we still see each other all the time. And and uh, yeah, I love I love Stephen. He's, he's such a kook. He's, he's such a strange guy. But the record came out great. I was listening to it the, the other day and saying, my God, this is, where did I, how did I miss this one? Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So the, uh, the new album out now, and I know the, uh, the yeah, yeah, are, are about to go, uh, touring, I think in May. Are you, are you a part of that tour? Yeah. Yeah. I'll be touring with them all year. So it's like, we're going, I mean, there's a lot of touring, so, you know, it's taking us to uh, Japan, Australia, South America, Mexico, like all over the U S and Europe and stuff. So yeah, I'll be out with them and then probably, um, between that, uh, doing solo shows, if I if I can, and if I have the bandwidth to do that, the Yeah Yeah Yeahs are going to be in uh, at the Boston Calling Music Festival at the Harvard Athletic Complex on May twenty sixth. I think I think you're opening up for the Foo Fighters. Yeah, that would be fun. It's such a pleasure to talk to you. Like I said, I've really enjoyed the, the record. I'm I'm really happy with what Money Mark did. I think he did a really great job giving it a, a, a brand new vision. And so I, I wish you all the best of luck. Thank you so much. Thanks great to talk to you. The name of Ahmad Wasif's latest album is called So Long, Mr. Fear, and the name of the new EP is called Mr. Fear, So Long. Thanks for listening. I hope you liked it. If you did, feel free to share it, like it, review it, tell all your friends about it. You can meet me on social media by searching for Baxi's Fun Bag, or you can email me at baxitrock102.com. I'd love to know what you think. And thanks again for listening to Baxi's Musical Podcast.